God's word for our meditation is our first lesson from Isaiah chapter 61. I won't reread it right now, but you can have it there in front of you as it is earlier that we read. Isaiah's job, it should have been an easy one. He was a prophet to God's people, God's chosen people, the one that he had handpicked to be his very own. A people that he had called and blessed and loved and, and given them a, a promised land and given them divine protection. Every promise. Isaiah's job should have been an easy one. To bring God's word to these chosen people of his. But it wasn't so easy. Because the human nature is no different today than it was thousands of years ago. And instead of the false gods that we have today, of sports, and work, and money, they had gods like Asherah, and Molech, and Baal. The false gods of the nations around them. And you wonder why. Why would you do that when you were God's chosen people? He gave you everything. Why would you begin to serve and, and love and worship these other gods? Well, same reason we do. Because our hearts are bent to try to find happiness and contentment and so many other things rather than God himself. Isaiah's job should have been an easy one, but it wasn't. And much of his prophesying and speaking the words of God to God's people, it was threats of punishment. It was calls to repentance. It was turn from your wicked ways or else. And through Isaiah, God even pronounced who would bring the punishment. 150 years before, he prophesied that it would be Babylon who would come in and destroy them if they did not repent. And unfortunately, that's how the story went. They didn't repent. They continued in their evil ways. They continued to worship these false gods, and Babylon came under King Nebuchadnezzar, just as God had told them through Isaiah 150 years earlier. Judah, their kingdom was destroyed. Jerusalem, their capital city, their beloved city was leveled. Their houses were burned. The walls were torn down. That temple that Solomon had built hundreds of years before, absolutely destroyed. The people, if they weren't killed were sent off, exiled, e either back to Babylon, the capital city, or throughout the empire. God had said, if you do not repent, you do not change your ways, destruction will come. And unfortunately, it did. And God's people were left in ruins and rubble. But Isaiah didn't get to preach just judgment. In fact, in, in his book, it's 66 chapters long, 
There are some of the most beautiful words of gospel that God has spoken throughout the entire Bible. Beautiful words of comfort and peace for poor, miserable sinners. And, and that's exactly one of the sections we have before us this morning. From Isaiah chapter 61. That Isaiah was privileged to be able to preach good news to the poor. Freedom for captives. To call them out of darkness. And that's exactly what God did. You see, God even prophesied who would be the human person he would use to rescue his Old Testament people. It would be Cyrus, king of Persia, who wouldn't even be, wouldn't even be born a hundred years after Isaiah prophesies these words. Because 70 years after these Old Testament people had been taken captive by Babylon, Persia comes in and takes over. And Cyrus says, Jews, you are free to go home. You're free to return to your land. You're free to, to go back and rebuild. And, and he even gave them some supplies and resources to be able to begin the project. God kept the promise to set his people free from their captivity. And he did it. Just as he promised. Every word that God spoke through his prophet Isaiah came true. It was fulfilled. Judgment came, but then came freedom and peace and release. But you know, these words prophesy much more than that. It would be too small for God if this is all that these words were about. Because these words of Isaiah, written more than 700 years before the birth of Christ, speak of another release, another freedom from captivity that would come. About a year after Jesus was baptized, he went to his hometown in Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue, which was the normal place of teaching. And we heard it in our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 4, didn't we? He goes in, he's, he's handed the scroll of Isaiah, and you know what he opens up to? These very words of Isaiah 61. He reads them. He hands the scroll back to the attendant and he sits down and he says, Today, these very words, written over 700 years before, that you thought were just about Old Testament, your, your ancestors and how they were released from Babylon, today, I tell you, these scriptures are fulfilled in your hearing. And, and what should the reaction should have been? What should it have been that, that, that day in that synagogue? It should have been, you are the Christ. You are the one. You are the fulfillment of these words. You are the one that our hearts have been pining for and longing for for hundreds of years. You are the fulfillment of all of God's promises. But what was it? 
It's only here just a little bit. Actually, it's in one of the other gospel lessons where it comes out a little bit more strongly. They turn to each other and say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the, the, the little Jesus we grew up with? How can he claim that he is the fulfillment of these Old Testament scriptures? How can this guy claim that he is the Messiah that we've been waiting for? You see, at this time, the, the time that Jesus comes on the scene, these people are waiting for the Messiah. They want him to come. Because at this time of Jesus, they're back in captivity. They're under tyranny. That of the Romans. They are being oppressed by the Roman government, and that's what they're looking for. They want freedom. They want the glory days of Israel to return. They want the Romans kicked out, and that's what kind of Messiah they've been looking for. And this guy, this, this local boy, he ain't it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I mean, Jesus is coming offering something so much greater. I mean, you understand why they would want freedom from the Romans? Of course. Who wants to be oppressed by a government over you? But Jesus was offering something so much greater. So much better. And they said, we don't want it. We don't want you. We're going to get rid of you. We're trying to throw him off a cliff. It's ridiculous when you think about it, isn't it? You know, it's not the first time that God's word was rejected. Because when that proclamation of Cyrus came back in the Old Testament, you're free to go home. You're free to go back. You're free to go resettle your, your homeland, that, that land that God had given them as a gift. You know what some of the people in Babylon did? Some of those Jews, they said, we're okay here. This is our home now. They didn't return. Some did, but many did not. Living in Babylon had become their new normal. Ridiculous when you think about it, right? When you have the promises, when it's right there in front of you, to just say, I'd rather Ridiculous when you think about it. Choosing to remain a captive rather than being set free. What ridiculous thing are you allowing yourself to be held captive to? sin? Or maybe a number of sin? Maybe it's the, the sin of anger and bitterness. That someone has hurt you, and maybe hurt you deeply, but you just won't let it go. You've said, I will not forgive. I just can't. That's a prison, my friend. To make yourself captive to anger and bitterness. That's awful. That's oppressive. Maybe it's the sin of pride. 
that, that you always have to be right. And, and you can't be shown wrong. And, and you can't admit it when you are wrong. And, and instead of repentance, it's just excuses. My friends, that's prison. That's oppressive. Maybe it's the sin of lust. Maybe pornography or something else like it has a grip on you, and it, it's controlling you. You're letting it control you. You've become such a captive to it that it's just become your normal. What is it? What ridiculous thing? I'm just going to use that word very pointedly. Are you letting yourself be held captive to? Is it guilt? Is it the things that you've done and, the said in the, and said in the past that you just can't let go of? I mean, I mean you come here and you hear the words that, that through, through his called servant you are forgiven. I mean, your head knows that, but your heart tells you something completely different. How could God forgive me? How could anyone love me for everything that I've done? Maybe you know all too well how guilt can be absolute prison shackles on you. It's just weighing on you all of the time and it, it's the lens through which you view everything. My friends, guilt can be an awful, awful prison, can't it? What ridiculous thing are you held captive to? Is it what, I, what I'll call performance? This idea that you have in your mind that, that you've got to do these certain things for, for God to love you and accept you, or, or, or these certain things that, that you have to do in front of others for them to accept you and bring you your worth and your value? My friends, that is, that is an awful prison. Right? When it's, when it's the things of this life, the way we live our lives, that it's driving us to gain that approval of God and others, right? That, that it's based on my accomplishments, my appearance, my bank account, my grades, my job title. That is an awful way to live, isn't it? That is oppressive, isn't it? I, I mean, we sit here this morning and I don't see anybody shaking their head no that they disagree with me. So I'll take that as a sign of, yeah, I'm there with you, Pastor. And it is, it's, you sit here and it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yeah, why would I want to be captive to any of those things? That sounds awful. It's terrible. I, I've seen it in my life. But it's not that easy, is it? It sounds so simple, but in reality, it's, it's so much harder. Because, because what do we do? We convince ourselves this is, this is the way I am. We, we tell ourselves that this is just my normal. We hear the world tell us this is the way you have to be. And so easy it is to get our mind twisted up and begin to think that it's just safer here. I'm happier here. 
It's better here. Just like those Old Testament people in Babylon, in captivity, who were free to go home and they didn't. Or like those people at the, at the time of Jesus in Nazareth who, who were looking for something completely different. Maybe, maybe that's where you are too. I'm comfortable where I'm at. It's safer here. This is what I know. Or, or that Jesus isn't exactly what you need. He can't really help you. My friends, it's an awful place to be. But the fact is you don't have to remain here. I want you to listen again to the words of God through his prophet Isaiah. That he speaks to you this morning. Whatever you have made yourself captive to. Whatever prison you have put yourself in. Listen again to these words. That our Savior Jesus came to fulfill. The words that he spoke. In that synagogue in Nazareth. It says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. Dear Christians, God's people, you are free. You are free. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever prison you have put yourself in, whatever you have made yourself captive to, you are free from it in Christ Jesus. The sin, you've been set free. Whatever sin you've been holding on to, whatever sin you think you can't defeat, Jesus has done it for you. He defeated every single temptation perfectly for you as your substitute. And then he goes to a cross and there he dies for you so that you don't have to die for those sins, for every sin of anger and bitterness and pride and lust and every other one, you are set free from sin. The guilt, the guilt that you've been letting oppress you, that you've made yourself captive to, you know what? You're free from that too. Because in Christ Jesus, God says not only is your sin paid for at that cross, but your guilt is taken care of too. That as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed your transgressions from you. That, that God remembers your sins no more. Why do you? Why do you choose to carry them around when God has said they're removed from you? They're gone. Drowned in the sea forever. You are free in Christ Jesus. You are no longer a captive to your guilt. And that need to perform? <laughs> That's taken care of too. Those things that you think you have to do, they're done. 
Jesus did that. And you get to look at your life in a whole new way that, that, that my worth and my value is not found in what I do. How much is in my bank account? What my report card says? What my appearance is? My worth and my value is found in the precious blood of Christ shed for me. That's who I am. A redeemed child of God. Jesus Christ, my Savior, and through him alone. I don't have to do all of these things to earn God's favor, to earn the approval of others. Jesus has said, you're free. You are no longer a captive. Friends, and when you forget this, when you're tempted to go back into that prison again, whatever it is, you can go back to that cross and listen again to the words of Jesus. That he cries out from those cross, from that cross for you. It is finished. And you know what that is? You know what those words are? That's the sound of prison doors being opened. That's the sound of shackles falling off your wrists and hitting the ground. It is finished. You are free. You've been released from the darkness. The vengeance of our God has been stayed. It was poured out upon Jesus so that you can know that God loves you. That you are his. That you are no longer a captive. And friends, when you know this, this freedom feels amazing, doesn't it? When you're finally, finally, that the head and the heart connect, that, that gospel finally shows you that, yes, these sins cannot control me anymore. They are not my master anymore. I'm under grace, right? When, when that guilt is finally, finally removed from you, when that need to perform is no longer what's driving you in this world, that's just amazing. It's freeing. But... But you know all too well that when you leave this building, the battle's hard, isn't it? Because you still have that sinful nature that wants to draw you back into that darkness, put you back in that prison. Right? Satan wants nothing more than for, to rub your sins in your face and remind you of all the things that you've done and how you've got to work to earn God's favor. That's what Satan loves, that tactic on you. It's hard when you go out there. It's hard to remain in that freedom, isn't it? Roy Murphy is from St. Joseph, Missouri. And he had spent 15 years in prison. And one of the first things he did when he got out was he went and robbed a convenience store. And he pled guilty immediately. And you think, why would you ever do that? You were just released from prison. The last 15 years of your life we're controlled by everyone and everything around you. Now you're free and you... Why would you want to go back to that? It's all Roy knew for the last 15 years. He, he didn't know how to live anymore. He immediately regretted it as soon, he was, as soon as he was back in his cell. But that had become his normal. 
that it becomes so hard to, to know what freedom really is all about and what, what life could be about. But friends, maybe you know that story all too well. It's so easy to, to want to go back to that prison thinking that's safer, that's my normal, that's where I want to be, and then you're back there and you're like, what am I doing here? Why? Once we are released from that prison, when we are set free from that captivity, our focus needs to change, doesn't it? Our, our view of sin uh, and guilt and, and that need to perform, that, that focus has to shift. We have to look at things differently. Right? If I'm not a captive anymore, we, we've got to be able to answer that question, who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What is my life really all about now, now that I'm free? God, the Holy Spirit has an answer to those questions for you. Through Isaiah here in chapter 61. Listen to the end of our lesson. It says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. The Holy Spirit through Isaiah. That voice echoes down through the centuries. And tells us, now that we're free, who we are. What our lives are all about. The first thing he says is, he says, you are oaks of righteousness. Now, there's no doubt that, that when the people... Those Old Testament people got back to the promised land. Those who did go back, who were set free. What they found was absolutely everything was burned down. Their houses, but, but even the forest would have been burned down. That was just the way you did war back then. You, you destroyed everything. But no doubt after 70 years, there would have been some new life growing out of those ruins and ashes. And that's the picture that God is painting here for his Old Testament people. You are oaks of righteousness. For a display of the splendor of God. That out of ashes and ruins can come life. Can come fruit. Can come beauty. Friends, that is what you are. Out of the ashes and the ruins of what maybe you used to be. God has made something beautiful. That our lives get to be a testimony of his grace. That our lives get to be a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Right? We don't just forget about the past. We don't forget who we were. No, we remember who we are, were. But how by God's grace what we are. And we get to proclaim the Lord's favor to the world around us. This is what I was, but by God's grace this is what I am. What a privilege that is. And he goes on to say, as, as God's Old Testament people were too, they go back and they rebuild they renewed, they restored what had been devastated, what had been ruined. That, that's the first thing they did when they went back to that promised land coming out of Babylon. And friends, that's what we long for our God to do with us. To continue to renew us. To restore us. So that when we're tempted to go back into those prisons that we set up for ourselves, God says, come. Come to my table. Come to my word. Be renewed. Be reminded. Go back to that cross. Go back to that empty tomb. 
Come back to my promises of who you are and what I have done for you. Our lives are about continuing to be rebuilt and restored and being renewed in his promises and his grace. And then he says right at the end of this lesson, he says we've got purpose. You will be called priests of the Lord. We, our lives are living sacrifices to the glory and praise of God for what he has done for us. He says that you will be named ministers of our God. And what that means is that our lives become service. Instead of living in, in selfish sin, our lives are about selflessly serving. Instead of being controlled by guilt, we are set free to be generous. Instead of having this need to perform and, and gain the approval of others, we can serve without worrying about being noticed. Friends, you have been set free. You are no longer a captive. Instead, you've been captivated by his grace. Captivated by this new purpose and life we have in Christ set free. Captivated by a God who is willing to come over and over and over to remind you. You're free. That prison can't hold you anymore. Captivated by a God who is willing to come over and over and over and remind you that you are loved. That you are his. So you can go. Go and live. Live in that 